Hello, and welcome to Harvard Chan This Week in Health. It's Tuesday, July 19th, and I'm Noah Levitt. On this special episode, we are taking a closer look at an issue that has dominated the headlines across the U.S. for the past couple of weeks, law enforcement-related deaths. And in this case, we're talking about those killed by the police, as well as officers killed in the line of duty. This week in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, three police officers were shot and killed. And two weeks ago, a gunman in Dallas, Texas, killed five white police officers during a peaceful Black Lives Matter protest. That violence came after the deadly police shootings of two black men, Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, in Baton Rouge and St. Paul, Minnesota. Addressing law enforcement-related deaths is a complex public health issue. In this episode, we're going to take a look at one potential response and how one state is taking action. But first, it's important to talk about the history of police violence in the United States. The insecurity of the individual in Harlem against police aggression is one of the most potent causes for the existing hostility to authority. Those words were written more than 80 years ago, excerpted from a report on the Harlem riot of March 19, 1935, often described as the first modern race riot and sparked by reports of police aggression. Here's more from that report. When one of the policemen was asked if he would have acted toward the citizens on Fifth Avenue or Park Avenue as he had acted toward those in Harlem, he hesitated, stammered, and finally gave no answer. It is too readily assumed that an officer who kills or gravely injures a citizen is acting in the line of duty and must be upheld at any cost, lest the authority of the police and their power be weakened. It is clearly the responsibility of the police to act in such a way as to win the confidence of the citizens of Harlem and to prove themselves the guardians of the rights and safety of the community rather than its enemies and oppressors. In the decades since that was written, black men in the United States have faced a significantly greater risk than white men of being killed by police. According to research from Nancy Krieger, professor of social epidemiology at the Harvard Chan School, In 1965, black men between the ages of 15 and 34 were eight times more likely to be killed by police than whites. By 2005, the excess risk for blacks had declined, but was still three times higher than that of whites. Despite that data, Krieger says there is little visibility or accountability surrounding police violence because there is no accurate account of law enforcement deaths in the United States. In fact, the most accurate account comes from The Guardian, a British newspaper that has been keeping track using information from media reports, state records, and even reader reports. So far in 2016, The Guardian has counted 571 people killed by police in the U.S. Krieger says a public health approach is needed. Public health brings in a prevention approach, not one that is purely punitive, and it brings in an approach that allows for comparison of good quality data across different states to understand what's going on across states because that shows the array of what's possible and what the different policy options and practices are. And also it can allow for monitoring over time because without that we don't know whether things are getting better or worse. So to go from a state of incoherent data, of inadequate data, of covered up data, to a situation now where we have still relying on a UK newspaper for the best data in this country to a place where some public health departments are stepping up, and that's making criminal justice step up in a different way as well. And that's part of changing a problem. It's not going to solve the problem by itself, but democratic discourse and real data are necessary for that process to move forward. 
And Krieger says there's a better way to move away from this lack of data and uncertainty. And she says the solution is treating police deaths like a range of other health conditions. Just like we need to know the numbers of measles cases. We need to know what's happening in communities. We need to know where there are hot spots. We need to know where there are problems. The work that's been done by some additional advocacy groups in Chicago were able to identify that there were some clear outliers in terms of who were people that had lots of incidents uh, associated with them that were police in terms of excessive use of force. And if you don't count, you don't know. This is a core principle of public health. So it's not that having data solves anything by itself. It doesn't. Those data just sit there. They're numbers. But people using those numbers in intelligent, useful, productive, constructive ways is what always makes the difference. Back in December, writing in the journal PLOS Med, Krieger proposed that all law enforcement deaths, meaning people killed by police and officers killed in the line of duty, be treated as a notifiable public health condition. That means those deaths would be reported weekly to the CDC and put them on par with other deaths, such as those from work-related injuries or poisonings. While this hasn't happened on a federal level yet, the state of Tennessee just passed a law implementing a similar system. We realized it needed to be studied and that we needed solutions. And in order to find solutions, we needed the data to clearly point out what is taking place in our society. That's State Senator Sarah Kyle, a Democrat from Memphis. Working along with State Representative Harold Love Jr., who you'll hear from in a moment, Tennessee passed a law requiring that all law enforcement-related deaths be reported to the Tennessee Department of Health in a, quote, timely manner. This will take the form of an annual report involving both public health and law enforcement officials. And the work was largely inspired by Nancy Krieger's December paper in PLOS Med. In order to build support for the bill, Kyle and Love met with health department officials and the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. A key takeaway from those conversations? Surprise that statistics around police deaths were not already being collected. Here's Representative Love. Unfortunately, much of what we assume, and I say we, the general public, assume is being done is not. Particularly when you talk about data being collected, how do we know how many measles uh, shots are given? How do we know how many folks are dying from heart attacks? How do we know how many people are dying from uh, pancreatic cancer? It's because data is being reported. And when data is reported, you can then go through a process to alleviate those problems so you can identify why there may be things germane to a particular region of the country or the state. The same thing when you have law enforcement-related deaths. It is a public health matter because people are dying from it. And we have to look and see, well, what is the cause of this? If you don't have any data being collected, for the public to see, uh, then how can you reduce those incidences? And that's a key message Krieger wants to send. If we don't understand the scope of the problem, then we can't begin to address it. And likewise, if we can gather information from those police departments that are having success, then that data can be used to inform policies and procedures across the country. In the end, Krieger hopes that will help answer an important question. What kind of policing do we want? 
A public health approach, again, is one of prevention. So that means it's prevention of civilians dying, and it's also prevention of law enforcement agents dying. Both matter. The latter is an occupational health fatality. That's not a good thing. The former are fatalities that should not be occurring, and public health can offer some lens on that, which I think is very important at this time, at a time when people feel like they need protection, but also then to feel like you need protection from the police makes that a much more complicated story. Representative Love agrees, saying that studying what works could help create an effective framework for police officers. Now you have an understanding for law enforcement officers that they too can be protected because uh, deaths of persons in their custody will be public information with the report of the Department of Health, and now they can also implement procedures in the handling of people that will help prevent accidental deaths from law enforcement officers. Uh, you know, all one has to do is, is you know, pay attention to what is going on in Baltimore with regard to the, to the uh, court hearings with the death of Freddie Gray and, and look at what could have been done on the law enforcement side to prevent something like, how about put him in a seatbelt instead of laying him down on the back of the van? Well, so this helps law enforcement officers also because it gives them a possibility to put in some guidelines in their policy and procedures for how they should deal with persons who are in their custody. And the key question going forward now, will Tennessee become a model for other states? Krieger, Kyle, and Love all hope that it will and believe that it will. And Krieger says that while Tennessee is a key starting point, there are improvements that can be made. She says the gold standard would be real-time, ongoing collection and tracking of law enforcement-related deaths. Another step, says Krieger, would be tracking injuries in addition to deaths. And if you want to learn more about Krieger's research, you can visit our website, hsbh.me slash thisweekinhealth. And that's all for this week's episode. A reminder that you can always find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And if you're a fan, we'd love it if you took some time to leave a review. It really does help.